0: I want to just, I'm to just follow up quickly and I don't want to preach long this morning because I just want to really allow what space to move this morning. But I want to, I want to share a little bit around um, the story of Nehemiah and you can find it in Nehemiah and then I'm going to read from chapter one and um, I'm going to paraphrase to you um, exactly the story. I love the story of Nehemiah because I think Nehemiah is very much a mirror of what is happening in the New Testament, then, if we just watch carefully the story of Nehemiah. Now, now let me explain to you quickly that uh, Jerusalem um, had been under siege, they had been abandoned, and basically what happened was, they had been destroyed, they got to a place in their lives where it, the city was in such a mess, that people just coming and out of themselves, basically. You know, the gates were burned, you read now, the gates were burned, the walls were broken down, and in a sense, the people that were living in the city at the time were basically living like like squatters. And you've got to understand, this is, this is the city of God. This is, this is the house of God that had been absolutely demolished and destroyed. And a few years ago we moved in here, yeah, God gave a description, and just reminded me, we moved in here, yeah, how, you know, how derelict this building was, how it had fallen to pieces, there wasn't even point anything working. And God gave us His Word. But I, I believe that God is giving us His Word again because of the new season that you and us us, I are in right now. And I think we've made it clear that, that we don't want the same old, same old. You know, the Word of God says a very clear thing that we need to get this. And I think we breeze over this too quickly where the Word of God says that you cannot, that you cannot put new wine into an old wineskin. Right. And let me tell you something, if there's something that God needs to break in our lives, and something that God needs to break in my life, has very much been the spirit of religion in my life. Because I like to do things in a certain way, and a little bit OCD, and I like to in order, and I like things straight, and I will walk into your house, and I will put your picture frame straight. So don't be offended. It's me. It's who I am. But I was start to realize that God is doing something so different in our lives. And you know what, we cannot, we cannot believe that God must do breakthrough in my life and God must pour out His abundance in my life and God must break every yoke of body God must heal me. When in the whole time, every time God pours out, He's got to pour it out to no white skin. And the Word of God says that, and anybody that knows anything about wine, that, that wine ferments. And when wine ferments, it builds up pressure. That's what I put those big oak barrels. But if you put it in a wine skin that is too brittle, what happens? It gets exploded. Everything that is in it falls to pieces. And everything that God put in there has gone to waste. Now, I'm not saying everything God puts in your life has gone to waste, but listen to me carefully. That you're never going to get the fullness of what God wants to do in your life if you constantly trust in God to put something new into something old. And we find this with Nehemiah, and I want you to listen to me this morning. Because, you know, this picture of Nehemiah rebuilding the city is very much for me a, a mirror image of what Jesus did for us in the New Testament. Yeah. And maybe you've never seen that. this, but I want you to hear the story of Nehemiah. Because the word God said that Nehemiah had left the city and Nehemiah was working for the king and he had found faith in the king's sight. And he was the king's right hand, man in the sense, but his heart was still very much for his city in Jerusalem. And the word of God says that, you know, one day travellers came along, I'm going to paraphrase. But, but I love this part there where, where um, let me read it to you. Alright, and the word of Nehemiah, the son of Habakkuk, and he came to pass in the mother of Chesolev in the twelfth year, as I was in Shansha, a, a citadel, that Anna, one of my brethren, came from Judea, and asked him concerning the Jews who escaped and had survived the captivity and the concerning Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah is concerned about the house of God. He's concerned about the very city of God. And, and, and so he asked, and, and the people give him a story report, they said to me, they said to me, the survivors who are left from captivity in the province are at a great distress and reproach, and the water to Jerusalem has been broken down, and the gates are burned with fire. So it was that when I heard these words, and I sat down, and what did Richard said this morning? And Jesus wept. and the word of Nehemiah says, I sat down and I wept, and I mourned for many days, for I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven, and I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O oh great awesome of God, you will keep your covenant and your mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive to the eye and your eyes open that we may hear the prayers of your servant, which I pray before you today. And it's a long story, but the word of God said that he gets incredible favour with the king. And then he goes to the king and his gets permission. And he says to the king, please let me go. Let me go and revolve the city. Now the city today people can be to uh, be a church that I'm speaking about, it could be your business, and it could even be just your personal life that I'm speaking about. But the Word of God says that he does not only give favor of the king, but he gives permission and he gives consent from the king to whatever he needs, he can get. And the Word of God says that Nehemiah travels to the city of Jerusalem, and he sees the ruins that is there, and he sees that everything is torn apart, and the Word of God says he takes those three days, and, and he goes around the city, and as he travels around the city, he sees the walls are burnt, we'll and the, the gates have been burned down, and there was nothing left. And people just walking in and out. And Nehemiah asked the question. How is this possible? And I love this story. Because he says this. And this is why it's so important to me. To mirror the tomb. But he says, So I came to Jerusalem. And I was there for three days. Where was Jesus the tomb? Then I arose that night. And a few men with me. And I told no one. What God had put in my heart. To do Jerusalem. Nor was there any animal with me. Except the one which I rode. And I cried out my life through the valley gate to the serpent well to the refuge gate to the view the walls of Jerusalem, and he carries on. But he comes to verse seventeen, and he calls the nation together, he calls the people. Now you've got to understand these are people that have had the worst time of their lives. They are absolutely squatters. that you know they're in refuge, they're in distress, they've been tackled, they've got nothing left. And often when I read this, I felt this is what the church looked like when we came out of COVID. You know, it had just been destroyed. The lie of the enemy had just kidnapped or hijacked us. And people left. And people aren't serving God anymore. And people got caught up, like I said last weekend. You know, making pineapple beer and all these kinds of things. And the church is in distress, whether you like it or not. I said to you a few weeks ago, in America, 1,800 pastors are the ministry every week and the church isn't just In distress. 2022 is going to be a year of restoration for, you, the restoration for me it's going to be a god is going to allow us to revolve this church and revolve what god wants not just in this church but in the church in this nation and, and you can ask yourself because god is adding unique and incredible people to this body new wine skins are coming in new wineskins are filling these seats new wineskins people that are passionate about jesus I start to form this church. And you here for a reason, and you're for a purpose, and you have for a destiny. This is not just an accident that you walked into this house. But we're in a scene where we want to see God do the impossible in your life and in my life and in the life of the church. And here carries on and he said and he speaks to the people. And he says to them, and I say to them, see the distress that we are in now. He says, How to lose some waste and the gates are burned with fire. And He said to them, let, Come, let us build the walls of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be in a reproach. And I told Him of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. And also of the King's words that had spoken to me. And so they said to me, Let's rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. I love the story. Because for me, exactly what Jesus did for me. You know, I just, I read the story and I just think about Jesus must be sitting with Dad. And just seeing my life close up his life, in absolute and shambles, we'd be there. Just didn't know left or right. Didn't know if I needed Jesus or not. Didn't even know if Jesus was real in my life. You know, too busy doing all the things that the world had offered me. And I know that as I read the scripture and the word came and, and you know, people brought me prayer, I've got a mother that has, me prayed for me probably 55 years already. If there's one person my mother's prayed for, it's been me. <laughs> but you know, I believe that word got to Jesus. I believe that word got to Jesus. When my mother bent down and prayed. And when my wife bent down and prayed. And my dad. When Jesus heard that report. Of what was happening in my life. I know that he sat down and he went For me. Because he knew the value of me. He knew the purpose and the plan that he had for me. And I can see him going to the king. I can see him going to dad. And say dad. I don't know if you've heard. But you know the church is a mess. Dad, I don't know if you've heard. But Kurt's not doing well. Remember Dad, that's what we spoke about and that a everybody. Remember how we used to like, laugh and get excited about what we knew he was going to do? Like, I can see Jesus just going to Dad and saying, Dad, you know, can just please can I go? You know, Dad, I heard about Andrew, and he's not doing well. I heard about Carl, he's not doing well. And he goes to the king, goes to Dad, and says, Dad, can I, can I go? And not only does Dad say go, but Dad lets him go with full authority. He lets him go with all the power that was in heaven and earth. He lets him go with the same grace that would change your life and my life forever. He was released and, and when Jesus left and he knew that it was going to cost him everything but to know what, as he travelled, I think he just had me on his mind and I think the tears were running down his face because something needed to be done about Philip Sutton. Something needed to be done about Andrew Martin. Chase him. And the word says that Jesus inspects the city. And I think very much he does that in our lives. He just he does the inspection. And he takes the gates that have fallen down. And he sees the walls that are in shambles. And he sees how the enemy is coming and robbed you time and time again. He has seen that why haven't your prayers been answered? You've been begging God for years for change. Why isn't it happened? You've been God for years for a husband or wife. Why has not it happened? You've been stuck in the same financial position over and over again. Relationships don't work. You can't get a job. The baby's on your back permanently. You and your wife are constantly fighting, looking for that divorce. And you know why? Because the walls are down, the gates are broken it doesn't matter what a great marriage you've got the enemy just walks in and just takes what he needs to take because the city hasn't been established you know it only takes one man to make a difference in the world it only takes one woman to change a nation You see, we're always waiting for someone else to fix our problem. We're always waiting for someone else to give the prophetic word in church. We're always waiting for someone else to to see God in all of their hearts. We always want someone else to fast on our behalf, you know. We always want someone else to see God on our behalf. And the word says that Nehemiah travelled three days around that city just looked at the chaos that was there one man a man that was not even living in that city a man that I had not given the time of day in my life was more concerned about me than anybody else a man that was prepared to leave his heavenly realm and the relationship he had with his father for this son of a gun. This guy That just had nothing or believed he had nothing to give. I was there, Bridget. And many of you were. Many of you have been in the tomb. Many of you have faced it Many of you have thought about suicide. Many of you wanted to walk away from a marriage or walk away from God. Many of you would be dead. Many of you were wrapped in grave clothes. It's just lies. It's just lies from the enemy. That's what it is. You're just wrapped in lies. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be strong enough. You're never going to be able to pray like so-and-so. You're never going to be able to stand the word like so-and-so. Every time you try and do good, you do bad. Hey? Every time you put something, you take up something else. But it gets worse. And there's times when we want to give up in our lives but we feel we just don't have the strength to do what needs to be done. You see, what the word says that Nehemiah calls the people together, and he starts to rally them, and he starts saying, "Come on!" We can do this. We can once again take back our pride. We can once again take back the city of God. We can once again rise above our circumstances. We can once again rise above the enemy that comes in and defeats us. But those same people did nothing for how many years until Nehemiah came. For how long will they prepare to live like that? And I need to ask you this morning, church... For how long are you prepared to continue to live in the shambles that you're in? For how much longer do you want to put new wine into old wineskins? For how much longer do you want to continue to run back to the flesh force of Egypt because the desert gets tough sometimes? It's easy to run to the secretary instead of sorting things out with your wife. (coughs) It's quickly to run to the bank instead of just tithing and trusting God for the abundance. How long are you going to say that this? Because I've got something to tell you this morning, and not just something I going to tell you that you need to hear. I don't care if you're Episcopalian this morning. I don't care if you're Greek or Gentile, black, white, Indian colored, homosexual, transsexual, pansexual. I don't care what you I want to tell you something this morning. And it's not a secret. I want to tell you this. That Jesus loves you. And He has never forgotten about you. And He has never you. You see, this is not about how we do good. God loves us in spite of who we are. Nehemiah traveled to Jerusalem in spite of what it looked like. And God is traveling to you in spite of what you look like. And you might say, well, you know, I'm an atheist, I'm agnostic. I don't really care. All I know is one thing, Jesus even loves you. Amen. And I want to warn you that I don't care what you are, atheist or whatever, agnostic or Muslim or whatever. But I want to say to you, there's this little scripture in the Word of God that says this, that I stand at the door and knock. Amen. And my prayer for every one of you, if every one of you online, lying, whatever your belief is, please don't be too late to answer that door. Amen. There's many that have gone before you that waited just too long. I, I will give my love to Jesus next week, Kurt, and Wednesday never came. You know how many funerals I've sat and I've done in the last two years. And I'll be honest with you, I am, and rebuke me after you want to speak with elders. But I can guarantee you more than half of the people I've buried over the last 77 people I've buried over the last two years. I will tell you half of them are not going to eternity. You know what COVID caught us offside? We still, we thought, get years to go. I'm still young, Kurt. I was bearing 17-year-olds, 20-year-olds. And Nehemiah says, and those men look and they say, let's start this good work. That old town rallying together, they said, let's start this good work. And you know what the first thing they did is? Listen to this. I'm not going to find it But the word of God says this. That the first thing they did was this. They cleared out the rubbish. They cleared the rubbish out. They cleared out the broken bricks and the broken walls. They removed the burnt gates. And you know, we come to Jesus at times and sometimes we want to come to Him with all that junk. When He found me, I believed that I could come to Him with all that junk. Because, "Ah, you know, Lord, I'll just ask for forgiveness next week. You see, there's one thing to believe that Jesus loves you. There's another story to sit down for a minute and know that he just doesn't love you, but that he wept for you. And he didn't only weep for you, he died for you. And he not only died for you, but guess what? He rose again for you the word says that they put their hands to the work and they started moving the rubble and they started building and of course the first thing that comes along in verse in verse 19 is Sambalot and Tobiah and Geshem uh, you know what they do? They start laughing who knows I know when I gave a laugh to Jesus and I quit all the drinking and stuff you know I was called names oh you got soft now oh you can't drink with the boys anymore. Oh, you are a Christian now. Oh, you're someone those happy, clappies. Come on, come on. Huh? We've all been through that. We've all been judgment. You, you, you know, this is a Mikey. And if you're not Mikey with Piker, then is going to be Mikey with you. You <laughs> know what I'm talking about? And Samba and They say it doesn't matter what you guys both The foxes are going to get through in any case. And this is the lie from the enemy church. This is the lie in your life. Let me tell you something. When Jesus builds, guess what? He builds something that is permanent. Amen. You know, when Jesus turned around and he said, I'm destroying the temple. If he does, I'll build it up. They wanted to kill him. And the Maya rocks and says, we're going to rebuild the city. Now, you're to understand Jerusalem, not the size of this building. Jerusalem was massive. It took him three days to get around the wall. You know, the greatest thing was that you know you built the entire Jerusalem, repaired the walls and hung the new gates in 52 days. It's impossible, but it was done. And so the enemy came in and started laughing at them. And the word God says that what Nehemiah then did was then he made sure that while some were building, some were praying, and some were on the guard. And there's two parts because sometimes, you know what, when we are in a good place, maybe we need to be praying for those that are building behind us, that are trying a harder road behind us. And the Word of God, God eventually says, I want to tell you, there's something that you need to hear in your life, and it's this right now, that the Word of God said that they built in front of their own houses first. That He fared the wall where? There in front of where they dwelt first. This is the problem in life today. We want to fix everyone else's problems, but we don't want to fix ourselves. We want to look at everyone else in the eyes, but we can't look in the mirror ourselves. And when you and I look in the mirror, we've got to be honest with each other. Are you happy with what you see? Are you happy with the man that you are? Because if you're not, I want to tell you, Jesus, that's all I want to say, Jesus. He's enough. And He's enough for me and He's enough for you. And the word of God says, "This is the Word, i give you. The word of God said that they came to a place where they had one end on the brick and one end on the sword. You see, as Christians, this is how we should be living. This is how we should be living our lives. constantly uniting and rebuilding this house of God. But don't think that everything just going to be H-A-P-P-Y your life. It is one thing that I've learned in my Christian walk, and it's this principle: whatever you're doing, make sure there's one end on the sword to defend yourself, but never stop building. And many of you need to hear that this morning. Many of you have stopped building. Many of you have put down the sword, and the enemy comes in like a flood. Like a flood. And we don't know how to use this because we don't use it at home. We don't know what the sword looks like. We don't believe in ourselves. At times, we don't believe in our Jesus. We quickly say, You know, with God, all things are possible. The problem is, the minute I get a call, I don't get a test. But Jesus is enough. When my marriage goes to a hard time, I run to the Goddess Counselor. But Jesus is enough. And we need to make up our mind. Because Elijah comes to the top of a mountain. Remember the story. And he's got 850 prophets in front of him. And he's got two cows. And the king is standing there. And all he's got is Jesus. All his body is God. And he makes a profound statement. Before he does anything. You got go read in First Kings. And he says this. Today is the day that you are going to choose. No longer can you waver between two gods. No longer can you waver between two gods. You either serve the God of this world, or you serve Jesus. You see, the word of God says that in Revelation says that, that when you loop wrong, I'm going to spit you out. I'm going to spew you out. And this is not a condemning message. Listen to me, I'm not condemning you. I'm giving you the opportunity to turn your life around and the life of those around you around let me tell you something you think, oh, you're gonna give up. Let me tell you something, you're gonna give up, Jack. Because what I've experienced in the kingdom is faster, faster than what the enemy tried to give me in my whole life. I've got health, I'm love, I'm accepted, I'm whole in the kingdom of God. I'm the of God. Is there's an anointing upon your life. There's a calling upon your life. There's a newness that is coming into you. The Holy Spirit is about to pour Himself over you like on the day of Pentecost. And the reason that the Holy Spirit comes is for you to share. You see, there was something that happened to the woman that Jesus met at the well. Remember, that Jesus looked and said, you've been married four or five times, and the man you're living with right now is not your husband. And Jesus says, I am never asking. Those of you who you will never thirst again. You see what happened? She got touched and she shared. The Word of God says that she went back to the city and brought the entire city out to come near Jesus. Where else have you've been touched, you will go? Or do you just enjoy the touch? Is the touch just for me? You see, the word of God says a very simple thing. That Jesus is not to return until his gospel is preached to all ends of the earth. And we can sit in our fancy little churches and we can have our fancy lights and our fancy music. But I tell you something, if the gospel does not reach the ends of the earth, we're going to sit here for the cows cover. Fifty-two days of the city was rebuilt. I was a little bit more sullen. And it took me a little longer to understand the fullness of God. But I want to say this to you in closing today God is rebuilding your house. God is repairing your walls. God is looking at your gates. You know what the funniest thing about this whole story is? Is the last thing they did was under the gates. And I love that story because I think, what does a gate do? A gate either keeps people in or it keeps people out. A gate is where people enter and a gate is where people leave. And I always laugh when I said, you know, the biggest problem I had was my gates. Gate 1, <laughs> gate 2, gate 3. Yeah, You not like you are let me tell you something, what came out of my mouth was not protecting anything. The things that I was watching were definitely not glorifying God. And I used to love skinner. Yeah? Yeah? Love information. Love information. And you know what? When I started putting new gates up, Father, if it doesn't glorify you, I don't want to hear it. Father, if it doesn't lift you up, I don't want to see it. Yeah. And Father, if it doesn't bring life to people, I don't want to see it. Amen. And when I hung those gates in my life, yes, every now and again, I leave the gate open that night, and the jackals was getting, but the next morning, the first close the gate again, and said, Father, I'm really sorry. We're all journey stuff, but we're in a new season. Okay. We're in a new day. You see Isaiah 43 verse 16 or 19 and the correction says this I'm doing a new thing and then the word says can you not perceive it? You see, you've got to perceive that God is doing a new thing. You've got to get into a head that he's doing a new thing. You've got to get into a head that it's time for the new wine skin. It's the new season. It's a new day. It's a new thing that God is doing in our lives. And if you think that we can carry on doing religious church, you're in the wrong place. God's been challenging me flat out the last couple of days. He's saying, I've got shoes on this morning. I've never in my life been without shoes in a church. And this morning I walked in, God said, I want you to take me your shoes. I said, I want you to give me a sign. Because walking past me, she's barefoot. That's not enough. So come walking past me, barefoot, I will pay God. Do I, did it change anything? I don't think so. But nobody changed. My act of obedience. God's going to ask you to do crazy stuff. God's going to ask you to do crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Just do it. You know what our problem is? We always want to know the outcome of what God is telling us to do. Sometimes there isn't an outcome. Sometimes just do it. Yeah, speak up this man. me. Yeah, yeah, no. Craziest idea ever. Not even five cents in the bank. Like, up the business. Good idea. Yeah. It wasn't about the money, it wasn't about the business. Are you going to act the what i you? Are you going to be obedient? See, because when you be obedient, the blessings of God will follow. Amen. Let us stand.